On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Tesla Motors officially changes its name. One state tries to ban Tesla's sales model, but employees, owners, and fans fight back. A country in Europe uses a popular video game to try and woo Gigafactory 2, and more. Howdy fellow Tesla fans, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors, although maybe not so much. We'll get to that in a second, unofficial podcast. It's episode number 79 for February 5th, 2017. Another rainy night here in San Francisco as I record. It's been a wet winter, but at least we're officially out of the drought. Uh, I wanted to start this week by by noting something. You know, I, as I've mentioned before, I'm continually seeing more and more Model Xs in the Bay Area now, which is to be expected. You know, this is HQ for Tesla. This is their home turf. I see Ss every day. Xs are becoming nearly a daily sight around here. Uh, and I'll tell you, I what what I wanted to mention was that I spotted a multi-coat red Model X on the road earlier this week. And it got me thinking, you know, of all of the Model Xs that I've seen, I feel like anecdotally, red is by far, with the X, the rarest color. Like, I see a fair number of red Ss, but I've literally seen, in the entire time the X has been out, I think I've seen three, maybe four red Model Xs. So it seems to be, uh, just again, purely anecdotal, but there, the Model X buyer seems to be less interested in red than the Model S buyer, which I guess makes a bit of sense if the X is going to be aimed a bit more at moms specifically, uh, women, families, uh, whereas the S, you know, the stat- we have statistics that show that the S is uh, very much a dude mobile. <laughs> it's like something like 80, forget what it was, something like 80% of registered uh, Model S's were to, to men. And, it, you know, it is definitely a sportier car, both in look and performance. But, but yeah, nevertheless, like I said, I know it's anecdotal, but the fact that there aren't that many paint colors at all makes it a bit easier for me to make that claim. Uh, I do still, of course, put the asterisk on it because I'm just talking about my own observation in the Bay Area. But I just found that interesting. I started thinking about that. Uh, in time, though, when I thought about it even more, Titanium Metallic is going to end up being the rarest Model X color with the exception of Signature Red uh, because, of course, Signature Red was limited to the first 1,200 and, or 1,200 or 1,250 Model Xs. But remember, Titanium Metallic was discontinued relatively early in the X's life. So those are going to be the ones that will become rare if you're the type of person that likes to have... Because I, I, like me, I I kind of like having a car that there aren't 7 million of on the road, like the exact configuration. Like my my Infiniti now that I've had like so for 11 years now, it's in, it's in a color that I don't see super often that I like. And it's got uh, the spoiler with some side trim that most of them don't have. So I kind of like that... There, I, I've hardly ever seen it one that's exactly 
my configuration. So if, you, if you're that kind of person you're gonna be, and you're looking to buy an X, well, you can't get a titanium metallic one now, nor can you get a signature red one now. But maybe, who knows, if you're looking in the secondary market in the CPO or, or private seller, and you're thinking, hmm, what could I get that not a lot of people have? Sig Red uh, is, is an option, although you'll probably have to pay some sort of premium for that even on the secondary market. But titanium metallic, that sort of champagne color, is going to be the one, one that uh, I think in time, unless they discontinue another color, will be, will be the rarest. Or change color. Like remember, blue on the S changed from the dark metallic blue, the super, super dark, dark blue that's almost black, particularly in the, at night, to the more ocean blue, the lighter blue that we see now on the S and the X. Uh, I do actually, I see a number of blue, I feel like I see blue Xs, they're fairly common in, in the sightings that I see uh, relative to the other colors, but white, and I, I feel like I do see blue Xs more than blue S's, and of course there are so many more S's, but yeah, blue, blue seems to be a popular choice on the X, but again, white, I will, I will go to the mat on this one. White on the Model X is just extremely common. It does look really good on the car. Don't get me wrong, white, you know, that, fr- that front end where it's just all color rather than there's no fake nose, you know, there's no nose cone there, there's no grill there, where it's just paint. That white really looks striking up front, particularly in my humble opinion, when you pair it with the 22-inch black onyx wheels. But uh, anyway, just thought that was a silly little anecdote I would share for those of you that might that might not live in in his, uh, in areas that have quite as many Teslas, where you're lucky to maybe see one or two around town. Getting to this week's news, I wanted to start with a story that is not a surprise, but it is interesting nevertheless. Tesla has dropped. The motors from its name officially becoming just Tesla. Obviously, the company has, they've been telegraphing this for quite some time. So this is, as I said, this is no surprise. You remember they they acquired the Tesla.com domain name from that guy who'd, who'd owned it for quite a while. Of course, they bought SolarCity. They've been selling power walls and power packs for a while. They are an energy company by their own admission and, and very much true to Elon's mission statement for the company, which, by the way, I haven't quizzed you on in a few weeks, so say it with me. Wherever you are, go ahead and don't worry about making the people around you think you're weird. Tesla's goal is to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable transportation and energy. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess I'm going to have to start calling the show. I got to get in the habit now of saying Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast rather than the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast. But there you go. No longer just a car company. Cars are simply a means to an end for Tesla, though they always have been, to be fair. But now it is official and in the name or not in the name, as it were. No more motors. Next up this week, Indiana uh, is introduced, this was an interesting week, I'm glad the show, I'm recording the show now here at the end of the week, because uh, this story changed rapidly. Tesla, pardon me, Indiana had introduced a ban on direct auto sales by manufacturers, uh, by, by car manufacturers themselves, which of course targets no one that's currently on the market except for Tesla. But Tesla store employees, Tesla owners, Tesla fans all attended a hearing, uh, the legislature, and pushed back on this. 
And to their credit, Indiana has amended the bill to grandfather in Tesla. They're not, they're standing by the ban on on sales, sales directly from auto manufacturers uh, for reasons you're going to hear in a second. But they went ahead and grandfathered in Tesla, noting that Tesla has established themselves as a, a quality company making a quality product. This is Indiana. If you are in Indiana or near there, it's Indiana House Bill 1592. This will still go to the Senate. But uh, here is state representative, and this, uh, this is the guy you're going to hear from, Ed Soliday said this in the meeting just before voting for the amended bill took place, which, by the way, it passed by a vote of 9 to 1. So take a listen to what Representative Soliday has to say. So let me reiterate that uh, contrary to what you read on the Internet and some of the testimony yesterday, the concern of uh, colleagues I've talked to is where do we go uh, in the future in an internet world and the Tesla model is somewhere between a total internet sales and what we do today so we all have to find ways to change but at the same time um, we have evolved into a consumer uh, protection uh, legislation uh, that very few people understand particularly people who are active on the internet uh, that if, if there, for example, is a, a warranty problem and people are saying the warranty is not fixing or whatever, the Secretary of State's office can go to the dealer and inspect the records at any time. And uh, anyone selling vehicles has to be registered in the state of Indiana, period. So how do we continue with consumer protection as we go through into eras of areas we've never thought of before. And the more I read and the more I look at things, uh, the more I know I don't know. So I see this process as iterative. I think the agreement that we have worked out in, in uh, my proposal to the, to the various stakeholders is a step <coughs> in the right direction. So it's respectful to the fact that Toyota, or Toyota, Tesla, Toyota also, but Tesla has demonstrated uh, that they can build a quality product and they can maintain it. Now they're entering a new world themselves, and that is the mass market. So what we've done in the amendment is try to uh, respect what they've been able to do, uh, but at the same time uh, limit the ability to enter that market without uh, demonstrating that they can that a new manufacturer can actually uh, perform at a standard that assures uh, safety for our our consumers. I have to give credit here. This actually seems very measured and very reasonable. You heard Representative Soliday say, "quote This makes certain that we are only allowing this kind of sales with people that have demonstrated consumer service and accountability." End quote. So, and, and Tesla has done that. So that's great to see. In fact, Tesla themselves gave a statement, <clears throat> pardon me, to this, saying, quote, Tesla applauds Chairman Ed Soliday and the members of the Roads and Transportation Committee for amending this legislation to allow Tesla to continue investing and growing in the Hoosier state, end quote. I want to say about this, good on you, Tesla owners and employees and free market supporters and Tesla fans for showing up and quite literally 
making your voices heard on this because you affected change in the state of Indiana, change that, that I think uh, just about every, I certainly believe and I think just about every Tesla fan would agree is a positive change here. The, you, you showed that the will of the people can make a difference here, which is just fantastic. It's just great. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's how it should be. It's great. Uh, Electric, by the way, reported that one Tesla store manager before the bill was amended actually teared up while speaking at the public hearing telling a story about a 12-year-old boy who comes into the store and hangs, just hangs out, just hangs out, comes in with his parents and hangs out every Friday. Every Friday comes in because he just loves the cars and he loves Tesla so much, which I so relate to I, because I was that kid. I didn't have, now, you know, my, my other big love, DeLorean, was, was uh, long gone by the time I was old enough to, to go hang out in a, in a dealership or a store for something. But I, I, that totally, that, that 12-year-old kid absolutely would, would be me if I were 12 right now in the, in the world of, of Tesla's rise here as, as they have you know, established themselves on the market. So uh, I want to I give huge thumbs up, huge props to that kid for just, just, again, that enthusiasm. I have been very fortunate in my career to basically have that enthusiasm fuel my career. I've been so fortunate to work in video game media, first in magazine and now on, on a website on IGN, but that, and it really is, that's at the heart of what I do. You know, it's, I yeah, I have a journalism degree and I have certain skills, but that enthusiasm is why IGN hired me. It's why OXM hired me back out of college. So that, that enth- I love that enthusiasm in that 12-year-old boy, and I would bet you, I'd be, you know, I know his interest can change, he's only 12, but I'll bet there's a good chance that that 12-year-old kid is working for Tesla in 10 to 15 years from now because I can look right at my own life and see that it's possible and that's that that passion and that enthusiasm can absolutely fuel and propel you to uh, a career doing what you love. So uh, good job, everybody that went out and, and made their voice heard in Indiana. And Tesla will continue to be able to do business in uh, the Hoosier State. Next this week, this is a really fun little story. I like this one. This one is worth looking up the video for if you get a chance. Lithuania has is uh, trying to woo Tesla to get Gigafactory 2. We, I've, I've been over this before, that Gigafactory 2 is on the table. Tesla, Elon has said they want to build one in Europe. So we've seen European countries sort of vie for it a little bit, make, make little public uh, outreach and, and overtures. That's the word I was looking for. Well, 41 gamers in Lithuania are trying to woo Tesla to get Gigafactory 2 and their pitch is that they built Gigafactory 2 in Minecraft, and it's awesome. 
Uh, 41 gig, this is via Electrek, cur- cur- thanks to them for uh, the story, the courtesy goes to them. 41 gamers in Lithuania spent two days building and live streaming a mock-up of Tesla's Gigafactory inside Minecraft, which for those of you who aren't familiar, is effectively the video game, it's Lego in video game form. If you have any children in your life, be they your children, nieces, nephews, etc., you're probably on some level familiar with Minecraft, but it is a sandbox game where you can build anything that your imagination conjures up. But, uh, as, as Electrek notes, this project wasn't all fun and games. It also makes some points about the suitability of the area for Gigafactory. They actually built this into the pitch video. The site they picked was Kruonis, a small town in central Lithuania, which is a, quote, free economic zone close to two international airports within close radius of 1.3 million inhabitants. Uh, And finally, the town is also apparently near good sources of wind energy and has some green energy cred as it is home to the only pumped hydro plant in the Baltic states, notes Electrek. So uh, I I watched the video. Again, I encourage you to do so as well because it's really good. It's it's a fast forward time lapse. You know, you're, you're so you're seeing it. It's like a two or three minute video and they built the thing uh they actually constructed it as if you know as if they were you know the real thing was going to get built and they built it right down to having 8-bit style minecraft block solar panels on the roof of the place i'll tell you i think this is a smart move to try and get elon's attention this way Elon Musk is a known video gamer. I've just talked about it on a recent show. Now, Elon has never specifically mentioned Minecraft until five minutes before I went on, before I recorded this, when he tweeted out their first day of drilling for The Boring Company, and he his tweet was, Minecraft, and it's him, it's a shot of them, uh, like a big round, you know, bore right right where they're going to start drilling so uh the odds and and so elon obviously is familiar with minecraft and i was gonna say before i before i saw that tweet that he probably at least knew what minecraft was anyway because odds are extremely high that at least one of his five kids plays the game which would guarantee that he's at least familiar with it but of course Never mind that aside from his kids, it's Minecraft is literally the most successful video game in the world right now. Uh, and and uh, as I mentioned, yeah, he, so he, he tweeted about, he, t- he tweeted Minecraft. So we know, we know Elon knows what Minecraft is. And remember that Elon has responded to creative public displays like this before. If you recall Portugal a contingent of dedicated Tesla owners and fans there, they rallied, they, they sort of staged a, a rally for to try and get themselves an official Tesla service center by having a big gathering by the water, and they had a big banner uh, that, that sort of was a plea to Elon. They shot a big photo of the whole thing, and they put it online, and Elon, at one point, he did acknowledge it on Twitter, and guess what? Now there's a service center in Portugal. Now, they're not necessarily directly proportional. It's that, you know, it's, there could have been, Tesla could have been planning one there anyway. But 
we know that, yeah, Elon does respond to creative outreach like this. So good on you, Lithuania, and those 41 Minecraft players who, who spent the time to not only make this, but uh, take it from, I know it's not quite an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but take it from me as somebody who does this podcast every week and who is familiar with Minecraft, the planning of that project takes longer than actually building it. Like, when I do this podcast, it takes hours to plan it and then, like, one hour to <laughs> record it. And I guarantee it's the same way, especially the, the time-lapse video for this Minecraft Gigafactory will make that abundantly clear. They had to plan that whole thing out of what, where they were going to put stuff, how they were going to do it, and I, I would bet the farm that, that the planning took more time than the two days they actually spent building it. So thumbs up to you Minecraft gamers who worked on this project in Lithuania. Next this week, uh, this was a bit of a surprise to me. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety dinged the Model S, pardon my phrasing there for reasons that will become clear momentarily, uh, they dinged the Model S for having only an adequate safety uh, on impacts up front. But the problem in typical Tesla fashion, pardon me, has already been fixed. The IIHS says that a problem with the seat belt, the front seat belt, prevented the Model S from achieving a good rating on the small overlap front crash test. Here is the IIHS's own words. The Model S, a luxury sedan, earns good ratings in all IIHS crash worthiness evaluations except the challenging small overlap front crash test in which it earns an acceptable rating. Despite lengthening the side curtain airbags to improve small overlap protection in the Model S, Tesla ran into problems in the test when the safety belt allowed the dummy's torso to move too far forward. That allowed the dummy's head to hit the steering wheel hard enough through the airbag. Measurements from the dummy indicated that injuries to the head along with the lower right leg would be possible in a real-world crash of the same severity. Now, this apparently only affects 2016 model, model S's from, because as we know, as we've talked about many times before, Tesla is constantly implementing changes to the cars on a week-to-week -week basis. They don't wait for model years. Uh, the cars are constantly iterated. And in fact, Tesla says that it implemented a production change to fix the seatbelt last week and that it now expect, uh, expects the vehicle to achieve the top rating once again. Uh, the IIHS confirmed that it will test the updated vehicle as soon as possible and update the rating, which I would suspect would be in one to two months from now if the uh, production change went into effect last week. What I found interesting about this, and again, you know, the video is interesting, but uh, this is good audio too, I feel like. The IIHS released a video of the Model S crash test. So I, I, this was, I found this interesting because I've never heard this, nor do I ever want to hear this in real, in real life. But if you've ever wanted to hear what it sounds like for a Model S to hit something, uh, for a frontal crash at 40 miles an hour, here's the audio of that. This is, fr this is from 
the crash test. So hopefully you will never hear this in your own Tesla or in any other car, but here it is. Here's what a Model S sounds like when it hits a concrete wall at 40 miles an hour. Not a pleasant sound, one that I hope I never hear in my Model 3 or quite frankly, any other car. And I, I wish the same for all of you as well. Uh, by the way, the IIHS also rated with no explanation the Model S's headlights as poor. They called them poor, uh, which they also rated the Chevy Bolt uh, and, and some other vehicles, which their headlight rating fared better. And the, I did double check. I looked at the look, double check this. These they are referring to the new, the revised LED headlights from the front end refresh that happened uh, actually almost a year ago, about 11 months ago now. They said, quote, the 2017 Model S isn't available with anything other than poor rated headlights. Tesla says it is working with its supplier to improve the headlights, and IIHS will evaluate the new ones when they're available. So I have to wonder, of course, how does that bode for Model 3? You know, when you think about it, because it's a, it's a less expensive car, it's probably not going to have as fancy of a headlight, or at, at the very it's probably not going to have a better headlight than it might be the, uh, the same quality, the same caliber, but it's unlikely to be superior to the Model S headlight. But uh, it, it just leads me to wonder, it, is the headlight supplier set for Model 3? Will it be better than what we have now? Uh, or is Tesla making the Model 3 headlight themselves because we know they're an increasingly vertically integrated company who has taken on more and more of the car's unique parts internally by itself. So, uh, And if Tesla is doing the headlights internally, have they now uh, possibly made any changes based on this report with the Model S? Have they said they maybe said, hmm, all right, Let's take another look at the, the Model 3 headlights we've got, and oh, okay, you know what? Let's let's redo them. Not necessarily the shape or the appearance, but the uh, lighting caliber, the lighting quality of them. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on at Model 3 Reveal Part 3, which I would assume will occur at night, because that's when every, just about every Tesla event has occurred at night. And that actually makes me think, too. I wonder if they're going to have more test rides at Model 3 Reveal Part 3. I sure hope so. Um, I don't, I'm hoping to get to go. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, you know, I, I, it would be really cool to get another test ride to see you know, how, how things have come along versus riding in that initial prototype 11 months ago. Or by the time the Reveal Part 3 event happens, it'll be a full year prior. Uh, next up... A new report made public by the California Department of Motor Vehicles reveals that Tesla operated four Model Xs completely autonomously on California roads in 2016, totaling 550 autonomous miles. The report, uh, it's any, anybody that uh, has a permit, you know, has permission from the California DMV to test autonomous vehicles, to operate autonomous vehicles, this is all data that, that gets publicly reported at the end of the year. And so the report goes into disengagements 
which is the number of times that a human had to intervene with the car. So the, the number of times the autonomous driving disengaged. Tesla had 168 such disengagements across these four vehicles and 550 autonomous miles, which was a higher rate than most of the other cars in the report, such as the Waymo from uh, Google's Alphabet, Cha- uh, not chapter, you know, they're the, ar- the Alphabet arm of the company. But, uh, I mean, this doesn't mean a lot, you know, this is all still very much work in progress. Yes, Tesla was lagging behind Google on this one, but remember that Tesla iterates much faster than pretty well anybody else can, and it also collects a lot more data than, than everyone else can, thanks to fleet learning. So again, even, even though the cars aren't level 4 capable yet, or level 5, they're still collecting telemetry data from autopilot and the cameras and sensors and the hardware 2 suite, and hardware 1 suites for that matter, on a daily basis. So Tesla will get there. But I thought that was an interesting little nugget to throw out to everybody regardless. Uh, what have I got? Just two more quick stories this week. First up, if you have a Model X or you're planning to buy one and you either, if you bought one and didn't get the premium upgrades package, which I think is like 4500 bucks, but you'd still like to have bioweapon defense mode, Tesla's now selling those HEPA filters that are needed for that for a cost of $750, which I presume is the installed price. So this is also relevant for those of you who are considering a Model X but and want bioweapon defense mode but might not want the rest of the premium uh, upgrades package. So you'll be able to, to bring your car in to a service center after you take delivery, and $750, you've got yourself the big, bad, awesome HEPA filters needed to enable BioWare Defense Mode. Here is the description from Tesla's site. Retrofit your Model X with the Enhanced Air Quality Package. This package includes BioWeapon Defense Mode functionality enabled and a new HEPA filter. Replace your current filter with a HEPA filter that is capable of providing cleaner air within the Model X cabin when compared to the outside atmosphere, end quote. So I, I gotta say it, 750 that sounds pretty reasonable to me, and it falls fairly in line with another what use what I feel is a useful aftermarket upgrade that again in my opinion is very reasonably priced, and that's the LTE data upgrade. So for all of the Model X the, the S's, pardon me, produced through oh I don't quite remember when they made the change, but it's at least up I want to say through I think it's into 2014. No, I think it's even into 2015 because my my uh, boss's boss, Pear, his is a he has a May 2015 car, and he yeah his did not have he, he was a 3G car so yeah cars up into 2015 you know that you can get the LTE upgrade for your S that's uh, 500 bucks and that's that I you know I always thought that was pretty reasonable so 750 bucks for these you know super awesome HEPA filters that'll give you bioweapon defense mode. That seems that seems pretty reasonable to me. Finally, this week, just a quick note to mark your calendars for if you're interested in following along yourself, or of course uh, for the podcast, uh, my show here that'll follow. Mark your calendars. February twenty second 
at 2.30 p.m. Pacific. That is when Tesla will announce their Q4 2016 and full year, full financial year 2016 results. Uh, as usual with those, I mean, it's pretty safe to expect some good Elon quotes. And thus, as always, I will have parsed through the whole thing and I will have the highlights for you here so that you don't have to sit through the whole thing and we'll talk about all that stuff. So that's that's going to be an episode of this show to look forward to. And I think, given the timing of it, the fact that it's going to be in late February, I think there's a pretty good chance that Elon's going to say something about the Model 3 Part 3 reveal event, whether he mentions something about the date or the substance of the event or both. In fact, I would expect if he doesn't address it himself, he'll probably get asked about it on the call. So uh, look for that. Again, if you want to check it out yourself, February 22nd, 2.30 p.m. Otherwise, the following, well, the, well that Sunday when I uh, po- post my show up, let's see, that'll be the 26th, or of course a little earlier uh, for you Patre- Patreon subscribers. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be covering that one in detail uh, on the February 26th episode. That's all the news this week. As usual, there are a good handful of excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls from you fine folks, so I'll get to those for you right after this. All right, we're going to kick off the Ride the Lightning hotline this week with a couple of Minnesota boys. Brian from Minneapolis, Tim from Minnesota. We'll also hear from Gary in Southern California and a uh, caller as well from India, our first call from India, to my knowledge, on the podcast, in my memory anyway. But of course, this is the Ride the Lightning Hotline portion of the show where you can participate, ask a question, you leave a comment, discussion topic. Uh, this is, I love this part of the show. Please participate. Call in any time. The toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. You can also email your questions if you record them on your voice memo app on your phone. Email them into teslapodcast at gmail.com. But by the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And I thank lifeonrecord.com for really uh, believing in this podcast very, very early on and and kindly providing the... uh, the hotline. They, they set the whole thing up. It's all from them. So thanks to them. And let's kick it off. Brian from Minneapolis responds to my comment from last week's show about whether or not Model 3 Autopilot would be sort of fully functional, not level 4, obviously, but level 2. Whether, or maybe if, who knows where they're at by then, but uh, whether or not it's going to be functional on day one or if there's going to be this sort of calibration period that the hardware two S's and X's are going are going through now. So, Brian, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Brian from Minneapolis. I have a comment and a question inspired by last week's show. Comment is regarding autopilot performance when Model 3 is released. I think, actually, that with the hardware being 
probably the same and also the software as with Model X and S. I think that Model 3 is going to pick up right where those cars are, are at at that time and will be pretty good. I don't think there will be a significant learning time or adaptation to the new platform. I think the cameras and the the essential hardware bits, as well as the algorithm and the computing platform, will probably be the same one that they just released with Autopilot 2.0. So I'm I'm hopeful, I guess, and I'm kind of thinking that uh, maybe we won't see that much of a a hit or a lag between when Model 3 comes out and when the Autopilot is performing pretty decently. My question concerns pricing for Model 3 options. I've seen several sources on YouTube and in the Tesla Model 3 forum talk about numbers in the range of 75 to even 100% of the current cost of equivalent options on Model 3 as are charged for Model S. I personally think that um, the option prices should scale closer to 50%, given that the base price of Model 3 is about 50% of the base price of Model S. Be interested in your thoughts. This would mean a number for the dual motors option, which came up last week, of maybe 2500 or 3000 uh, Batteries and so forth may be similar, and hopefully autopilot more in the four dollars to $5,000 range. Like you, I'm hoping to load up my Model 3 with as many options as I can afford. Where do you think the option pricing will end up relative to the current options on Model S? Be really interested in your thoughts. Thanks for a great show. Well, Brian, I hope you're right about autopilot calibration and that it will just uh, transfer right over, picking up where the S leaves off. As for Model 3 pricing, this is obviously a, this is a topic, a hot topic for so many of us listening to this podcast, including the host. And it's tough to say. You know, the the good news is we have a good indication from Elon that that things might be uh, cheaper than on the S or the X as far as the options goes. The options go, pardon me. Because Elon had said in in a tw- in sort of that tweet storm that followed the Model 3 reveal event that the dual motor option would cost less on the Model 3 than it does, and it's five grand on the S. And of course, the X is always dual motor. You can't not have it. So um, I I think half the cost, as you're suggesting, might be a bit optimistic as far as ha- the options being half of what they are on the S and X. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it's that low. Obviously, I mean, I think some options might cost the same. You know, the one I one I look at is uh, is actually autopilot and full self driving capability. It's a total of eight thousand dollars right now on S and X, and if it's the same hardware, it's there's a decent chance it's going to cost the same that same eight thousand dollars on the. Uh, the three now, the one probably hole you could poke in that thought is that well, economies of scale, the sheer volume of Model Threes will allow them to make that hardware suite cheaper, and I hope that's the case. And if that's the case, that that cost reduction should also 
apply to the to uh, the hardware two on S and X because it, if it's all the same hardware two package, and they've got economy, they've got some sweet economies of scale going with hundreds of thousands of cars coming off the line uh, every year, even in that that even possibly this year, you know, if this year, if not this year, the next year, hopefully. Then, then again, hopefully we'll see a cost reduction across the board, across the entire fleet of Teslas, the whole lineup. But it is that that's that's one where I I, I don't want to say worry, but I am expecting that to cost eight thousand dollars as of now. I will be pleasantly surprised otherwise. But I think things like the roof options, you know, we know body roof will be included, body color painted roof, and then uh, all glass roof and panoramic roof, I expect those to be pretty similar to their S pricing, which it's actually pretty reasonably priced on the S. So uh, if it's a little cheaper, great. But, you know, tire and wheel package, I expect to cost a bit less because the it's a smaller tire and wheel on the three. You know, sound package, I would expect to cost a little bit less because it's probably maybe one or two less speakers in the in the cabin in the three um what else let's see seats i mean seats are yeah you would hope that again it it might be a maybe it's not going to be quite as nice of the as of a seat as the i mean that the seat in the snx is called the tesla premium seat so we we might not get the premium seat in the in the three or if we do it'll be you know a fairly costly option but yeah, all told, you know, 50% might be a bit optimistic, but I'm hoping for at least a 25% discount on the three on uh, on a lot of the options. But it is really, I'm I'm thinking more like it's going to be two thirds or three quarters of the cost rather than half the cost. But you know, I plan for the worst and hope for the best, right? So we'll see. That's because that's the option pricing is going to make such a huge difference for everyone. You know, my hope is to is to check as many of those boxes as possible in the design studio, and and if the, the so those the option pricing could really change the the cost of my car, or more likely dictate how many options I'm able to get. So we shall see. Thank you for the call, Brian. Let's move to your fellow Minnesotan. That's Tim in Minnesota. Uh, he is curious. If uh, he's also got Model Three on the brain, he's he's kind of think got some thoughts about the timeline of Model Three and and where where we are in that timeline. So Tim, take it away. Hello, Ryan. This is Tim from Minnesota. I'm a regular listener to your podcast, and I'm very glad to hear that Megadeth Baxter is doing better. Uh, now, hopefully, you can increase setting money aside for that new Tesla Model Three. As a, a Model 3 reservation holder since March 31st of last year, it occurs to me that we may be almost exactly halfway through our wait. We've been waiting for exactly 10 months as of today, and I think that we have another 10 months left to wait. I'm wondering if you still agree with the timing. And then also, based on the delivery numbers, that were recently posted for 2016, do you still think that the people who reserved their Model 3 on March 31st will likely qualify for the maximum federal tax credit 
or whether it will be diminished uh, a little bit. Thanks for continuing the great work you're doing uh, to put this podcast together. I look forward to it every week. Take care. Tim, let me get your last question first. So Elon has suggested that he wants everybody who reserved right away on March 31st to be eligible for that full federal tax credit. Uh, and he said that back when he first laid out the, uh, when he first laid out the, the big ambitious new production goals, when he doubled the company's production goals, he did mention that. But unfortunately, it's, it's just impossible to say. Uh, there are just too many variables. You know, if you're on the East Coast and you order a base model car, you know, your chances are going to be lower of getting the full rebate. You still very well might, but your chances will be lower than, say, someone ordering even that same car on the West Coast. Uh, you know, it's the good news is, of course, with the full tax credit, it does phase out. You know, you've got, uh, got the, the quarter thereafter where it's still, it's still the full, the full 7,500, uh, you know, if you, if you qualify for the whole thing before it starts reducing down to, to uh, what, half after that, I think, and then a quarter after that. Uh, as for whether or not half our wait is actually over, again, still impossible to say. Because, uh, again, the, the answer might be yes for some people that the wait's half over. But it could also, the answer could also be not even close for others. For instance, certainly... Uh, I want to point to our Australian friends, who we have a number of Australian listeners. Their wait is certainly not even close to over because they're in uh, another territory, another hemisphere, and they're they're going to be getting right-hand drive cars. So it's uh, that's the unfortunate thing. It's it's the answer is different for everyone. But again, the good news is that every single indication that we have so far is that things. Are on track. I really think that Model 3 Reveal Part 3 that should be coming up in a couple months or maybe even a tad less should give us a much better idea of where Tesla's at. I want to go now to Gary in Southern California who raises a, a significant concern for both current and future Tesla owners, specifically with regards to uh, getting body work done on your car if you happen to find yourself involved in an accident. So Gary, take it away. Ryan, hi, my name is Gary. I'm calling from Southern California. And this topic today is about the uh, body shop service for Teslas and the apparent uh, backlog and the short supply of uh, repair parts. A friend of mine who has a Tesla, uh, I have a Model 3 reservation, by the way, but my friend has a Model S. His wife drives it. She got rear-ended. And uh, not too bad damage, mostly on one side, quarter panel, lights, etc. And this was two months ago. The car is still sitting in the shop in L.A., which is in Orange County. And um, the owner tells me it has not been worked on yet, still waiting for parts. And he was down there recently to see if there was any progress, uh, which there isn't. And he said it looks like a Tesla graveyard down there. There's about 60 Teslas all waiting to be repaired. Some of them look brand new because they still got the paper license plates. 
and uh, he's uh, he's really frustrated. They tell him this could take up to six months uh, to get this thing finished with the back order of, of parts. So uh, this uh, worries me greatly because um, I was thinking of uh, changing my Model 3 reservation and buying a Model X. Um, and if I got in an accident, I wouldn't have a car to replace it, uh, you know, and I just couldn't wait that long uh, for a replacement uh, car, uh, repaired car, or, or even uh, here they're not providing law that length of time. Anyway, so I think it's pretty significant if this is not you know, corrected with the Model uh, 3, it's going to be a major problem for Tesla. I'm a big Tesla fanboy, but this really worries me a lot. These are all valid concerns here, Gary. I'll tell you, my, my friend Greg, who lives up in Marin County, which is the North Bay here in San Francisco, a- across the Golden Gate Bridge, he was telling me a similar story because he actually had a, a fender bender in his own car and it took service, you know, to trying to get, get the thing fixed was was not a quick process or certainly not one as quick as he would like so uh, he tells me and so does my my boss pair who lives up that way uh that teslas are everywhere up in marin in fact pair makes the joke that that the model s is like the marin camry (laughs) that's that's uh that's 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 his joke which which i always get a crack up out of and and it's from, from driving around up there a little bit every now and again it's he's he's not far off but Pear, in fact, did have uh, a fender bender and was without his car for a while. And uh, I would say for sure, Marin and no doubt where you are down, just Southern California in general, is an extreme example of of, uh, what happens when there aren't enough Tesla-authorized body shops. And I'll tell you, just the fact that that those are Tesla pop, you know, areas where Tesla's popular absolutely does not excuse the fact that it's a problem. It is a problem. And as you know, it's, it's not a good sign for model three. Let's be real. It is not when you, when you're looking at, you know, when Tesla forget about the model threes, just focus on the fact that Tesla is likely to add another hundred thousand just S's and X's combined on on the roads for this year, not even factoring in the three. So the fact, you know, uh, these hot spots like the the Bay Area in general, but specifically Marin and you know your your neck of the woods in Southern California, these are these are significant issues that Tesla does need to address and address them soon because things do happen and you need you know you need body work and and you don't want to be without a car for for weeks or months it's it's that's absurd that's one of the biggest growing pains that tesla has to overcome but i will say if you like the x gary and are and you're prepared to buy it i still wouldn't let this stop you for a few reasons hear me out here number one uh you might have rental car coverage on your on your auto insurance in case your x did happen to end up in the body shop for a little while uh, I've actually had my uh, uh, I've had body I've had body work twice this year for very minor like just paint level things, but you know I I'm fortunate I have uh, I have State Farm and you know, everybody's got something different and it's different in different areas, but I have rental car insurance on there. It was all covered, no problem. But so odds are you probably have rental car coverage 
on your insurance policy. Number two, there's no guarantee that waiting for the three is going to solve the problem in any way, which I know that's that's dark. That's, that is not a pleasant thought, but that's real. You got to look at it that way. So if you're interested in the X, there's no guarantee that waiting for the three is going to solve anything. And, I, and I'll say number three, the X is such a unique vehicle. I mean, it, it does a lot that the three won't. You know, the, the storage space-wise, uh, I guess you could get an all-wheel drive three if you want, but it's standard on the X. The Falcon wing doors, the three rows, just the, the sheer size of it, you know, if you, if you want that bigger vehicle. So, you know, the X does a lot that the three isn't going to do. So I'll tell you, Gary, if you've got your eye on the X, hey, go for it. And by the way, uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you do, please use the referral code that I've been giving out, if you don't mind, to help help uh, try and nudge me maybe towards first to 20 to get that, that free Tesla. But, but the bottom line, though, is that, again, your concern is extremely valid. This is a this is a problem that I think not a lot of people are thinking about with, with certainly future Tesla owners. We're not thinking about it because we don't have the cars yet. But you current Model uh, S and X owners probably don't think about it unless something happens as it did for Pear and as it did for you. So Tesla, I hope, really hope that they're aware of this, but they've got, they've got to be aware of this. And hopefully they're actively trying to solve these issues, again, particularly in those Tesla hotspots like the North Bay and in Southern California. So thank you, Gary, for that call. Uh, Finally, I want to take a, uh, again, our first caller from India. And I want to sincerely apologize that just I listened back to this a bunch of times. I just couldn't quite catch the gentleman's name at the beginning. But our caller from India asks about the viability of buying a secondhand Tesla. So I wanted to address this because this is always always a good topic to uh, refresh on from time to time. So, sir, go ahead. Hey, this is Aprameya here from India. Uh, my question is about buying second-hand Teslas. What do you think about the second-hand market for buying a Tesla? Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, I would say go for it because a second-hand Tesla is going to come with free unlimited lifetime supercharging, whether it's from a private sale or we, you know, Tesla corrected themselves after I, I mean, it wasn't because of me, but you know, uh, they they ended up. It appeared that CPOs were not were going to have their you know their supercharger policy reset. That is not the case, according to John McNeil. He did step in and correct that, which was great. Of course, there aren't any superchargers in India yet. I did take a look, but I'm sure. I mean, that's India is such a just big market that I, I have to imagine Tesla is going to be tapping into that market fairly soon uh, because they'd be foolish not to. But to get back to your question about whether it's a good idea to, to buy a secondhand Tesla, I would say go for it if that's what makes the most sense for you. Because remember that with there are exponentially fewer moving parts on a Tesla and just less wear and tear in general, on a Tesla with, say, 30,000 miles or more on it than there, than there is on a comparable internal combustion engine vehicle. So uh, what I would suggest, though, just make sure you do your homework, which hopefully this podcast is helping you out on in some small way, but I'm sort of referring specifically to 
the specific cars that you're that you're looking at, whether it's on Tesla's site or elsewhere, you know, f- you want to find the the best battery size for you and for your needs, what options are important to you. And here's what I'm really talking about with research. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, everybody knows that Tesla doesn't wait for model years to introduce changes. They introduce them literally on a weekly basis. Most of the time, they are <laughs> literal and figurative under the hood changes that aren't sort of immediately noticeable to the driver or anything that the car looks like or does. But but over time, the standard options, the, the things on a Tesla have changed. So, you know, make sure... When you figure out what you're looking at, uh, if it's a 2014 car, for instance, does it have autopilot? So you're going to look for tech package and autopilot. Uh, some of the 2014s don't because it came on in the came online in in fall of 2014. So you might want to you know see if the car has autopilot. See if it, depending on how early a car it is, it might not have parking sensors or even power folding mirrors. And maybe that's totally okay for your use case and for what you're looking for. But just when I would say when you when you zero in on a car that you're interested in, find out what the build month is. You know, if it's a if it's an August 2014 car, then do some research on what the August 2014 Model S's have and don't have. So then you'll then just that'll help you make a the most informed and educated decision possible. So best of luck in your shopping. Uh, hopefully you're going to be enjoying a, a, a Tesla very, very soon. That wraps it up for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Thanks to everybody who called in. Got a few of you who are going to be in the, the uh, Patre- pardon me, the Patreon exclusive bonus episode. That's just all the extra calls that I can't get to on the week-to-week basis, lest the show be two hours long. So that is actually going up this weekend. Well, probably as you hear this, in fact, that Patreon-exclusive bonus episode will be live for the month of February. So that's for everybody who kindly donates at the $10 or higher level. And uh, let me actually give you the names real quick of the people who uh, are going to be heard on that. That is going to be our friend DJ from North Central Ohio, Marcus from Sweden, Lawton from Chicago, our old friend there, uh, Richard from Bournemouth, Philip, I believe uh, is his name, from Massachusetts, Jamon from Hamilton in Ontario, Canada, and Mike from Charlottesville, another frequent caller. So uh, all of you kind folks are going to be featured on the Patreon-exclusive episode, which, again, you can find just by logging in to Patreon if you are a, uh, a backer of this podcast. So with that, uh, I will be right back. A few parting words for you here right after this. All right, real quick, I want to mention the referral code. Uh, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the referral program has an interesting new twist in it, and that is the first person in each region, my region being North America, the first person to 20 referrals gets a free Tesla. So uh, I am very blessed and fortunate to have a growing podcast audience. And if there's any way I could get that, that would 
That would make the dream come true. That would be the most incredible thing ever for me. Uh, so if you are considering buying a Tesla and you are considering doing it soon, get yourself $1,000 off and get me one step closer to that free Tesla. So here is the referral code. Just punch this into your browser. It's a short link. It's ts.la slash Jeff2311. That's Jeff spelled J-E-F-F. ts.la slash Jeff2311. Abstractocean.com is another place to... uh, to get a discount, even if you're not buying, you don't have to buy a car, just buy stuff for your Tesla or even just ex- fun accessories if you're not a Tesla owner. Uh, AbstractOcean.com's got cool stuff like LED lighting kits. If you are a Tesla owner, they've got the silicon key fob pockets, they've got cool lanyards, other stuff. So if you want to check out that site at AbstractOcean.com, if you see something you like and you want to buy it, you can get yourself 20% off by using the coupon code. RTL podcast at checkout. Uh, I mentioned the Patreon earlier. I would love it if you'd at least take a look at the Patreon. If maybe consider uh, play any little bit helps. If you wanna, if you wanna back me up here. And again, you know, so much, a lot of work goes into the show. Uh, appreciate everybody that does that does pledge there. The site is Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com/slash Tesla Podcast. Uh, Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter, he does a great job summing up the week for you in a uh, weekly, every Friday, it's a little email digest. You can sign up for free at teslaweekly.com. Teslarati.com, they do an awesome job of covering Tesla sort of day by day. They're always on top of, of Tesla news, so check them out if you haven't already. Uh, let's see here, follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan, and again, you can always email me just to, if you want to type something up or if you wanted to send, uh, make a, a hot Ride the Lightning hotline recording uh, right on your phone and just email it to me, you can do that. Uh, the email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And that'll about wrap it up. Uh, most of you subscribe to the show. That's the, the, the probably most convenient thing to do because then it's just delivered right to you. You don't have to actually go out and manually initialize, oh my goodness, any downloads. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick up the RSS feed, or there are, there are also MP3 downloads on the hosting site, which is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Libsyn spelled L-I-B-S. Y-N. And I'll wrap up by thanking the very awesome Patreon producers. These are the kind folks that support the podcast at the $20 or higher level. So I want to thank Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Nick Hoffman, Jonathan Wales, John Waltower, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, David Kittle, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, John E. Ford, and Robert Miracle. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support. And thanks to everybody who, again, kindly gives me an hour or so of your time each week. I know your time is valuable, and I do appreciate the trust to, uh, to spend it with me, to spend an hour a week with me. So uh, happy electric motoring, everybody, and I'll see you all here next week.